Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for February 24th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21, on Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore, YouTube, TikTok, everything else at ETOF21 Sports. We have a great show for you today. XFL Jim is going to be coming on. Him and I are going to be talking some XFL, looking back at week one and week two, tell you the bets to lock in. Brandon's going to come on. We're going to talk some NASCAR, and Nick is going to talk some fantasy football. But before we get all into that, I have to talk, obviously, Elephant in the Room. Matt Nagy has just been a name, the offensive coordinator. One of my biggest predictions going into the next season was Eric Bieniemy would be out. Matt Nagy would be in because you could kind of tell about how Bieniemy would always be taking away play calling duties. Now, I'm not a Nagy guy. I think Nagy's awful. I think he's an overrated coach. I think he's Andy Reid's best friend. That's why he's there. Does this move hurt them? Yeah, I, I, I think it does. But at the end of the day, let's face it. As long as you have Pat Mahomes, you're going to be in title contention. doesn't matter who's calling the plays. I always thought it was a little weird how Nagy never got an opportunity to coach. Maybe interview's bad. Maybe it's because of the alleged allegations against him. Maybe it's because Andy Reid was sandbagging him behind closed doors. I really don't know. All I know is, like I said... Four years now, he's had offensive playing calling duties taken away from him. Going to be interesting to see what he's able to do with no Patrick Mahomes there in Washington. But like I said, we have a great show for you today. I'm sorry about my voice. My voice is a little bit scrappy, a little bit rough. So we're going to jump all right on into it. And we're going to talk a little XFL with my boy XFL Jim. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're going to talk XFL Week 2. Take a look back at Week 1, and who better to come on than the man, the myth, the legend, XFL Jim. Jim, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing great. I've been on cloud nine for the last week, Eric. It's been nothing but roses and daisies in the garage. Now, you've been looking forward to this league more than anyone I know. I need to ask you, what was your biggest takeaway from Week 1? I kind of want some lemonade. That was my biggest takeaway. Um, the level of play was higher than I expected for week one. Okay. Overall. Um, now, go ahead. Sorry. Like, obviously, offensive line and quarterback, th- those need the most improvement of any position. But I thought, just in general, the level of play was fine. It was good. It was fun. What was one thing you wish was better? Uh, non-football related, I wish they brought back Seltzer Celebrations for the winning team. That was one of maybe my absolute favorite thing that the XFL did in 2020. I understand they're not a sponsor, but you got to make make something work out there. Um, something that I would, on the field that I would like to see improved. Um, officiating maybe still a little bit. I love the transparency, but there was a couple moments where the officials were a little bit confused. The most glaring example being the... Uh, the Battle Hawks Brahmas game where they, they slotted the ball on the wrong hash mark to start the game. And AJ McCarron had to yell out at the rest be like, Hey, that's the college hash mark. Don't put the ball there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a little improvement with there uh, would be nice. Now you and I previewed every single team. Who was the player that stood out the most to you? The one player that stood out to me the most. Balaj was a good uh, was a good standout. I think. I think he stood out a lot. 
Jack Cohn, I would say, stood out just because I expected him to look not nearly as good as he did. Most of the running backs who stood out just because I liked how angrily they seemed to run and with how much force they seemed to run. The run games, that's another thing that needs improvement uh, for most teams. The run games weren't great for a lot of the teams. And uh, in a bad way, Paxton Lynch stood out. I, if Paxton Lynch listens to anything I do or follows me, I'm sorry you're taking so many shots. You're this league's, you're this year's version of um, uh, Matt McGloyd, where I just I fire off shots left and right at you. I'm expecting a block from Paxton Lynch sometime. Respect, respect. Um, what was the player you disappointed in the most? Disappointed, probably McCarron. For most of that game, he didn't look great. Yeah, I get that the offensive line wasn't doing him any favors, um, but a lot of people came in with a lot of high hopes. It was either him or I love the guy. Spring football, Mount Rushmore, but Lewis Perez, he had that opening drive of amazingness in that great first quarter. He kind of stunk it up for a good chunk of that game, if I'm being honest. Yeah. That second half was not good by him. Now, we're going to shift our attention to week two. The time the podcast comes out is going to be after the Sea Dragons and Battlehawks game. So we're not going to touch on that game. We're going to start. I will say the crowd in Seattle was amazing. I'm just going to say that off the bat. Crowd was off the bat. You know, Jim and I hit our bets. You know, I had minus two and a half. Jim, would you have the Sea Dragons at? Also minus two and a half. Yeah. So, you know, starting off the week well with the Sea Dragons minus two and a half. Hopefully. And winner. under 37 and a half. I took the under 37 and a half. Um, we're going to start with the DC defenders. We're going to be using the lines. We're just going to be using the book, bet online. We're just going to be using those. We're going to start off. We see the D- DC defenders getting three. Uh, over under of 36. I locked this in when the Vipers were minus two and a half. I would still play this at three, to be honest with you. What are your thoughts about the Vipers defenders? Who it's looking like it's looking like it's moving to three and a half sometime soon, too. It is definitely going to move to three and a half. You're actually going to be in attendance. And I'll say yeah, this but- right now if someone watching this or listening to this sees Jim at the game and you go up. And you tell Jim, hi, I will Venmo Jim money to buy you a Miller Lite. Only a Miller Lite, though. Oh, I'll buy you a Miller Lite. I'll be, I, preface this, I will be zonked out of my mind, probably. Really? What's the over-under on beers you're going to get before you go in the stadium? Beers or just drinks in general? Drinks in general. Uh, six and a half? Seven? Oh, I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take the juice over nine and a half. How many how many puffs on the on the weed vape is the is the better over under? <laughs> <laughs> on the weed vape. How many how um, many uh how many weed espresso beans? I, I I'd say that's gonna be heavy to the to the over, my friend. Very um, heavy. I this is I'm gonna also I'll give you a smooch. That's my other that's my other takeaway from that. Who who you like in here? Defenders, vipers, where's your head at? I thought the Viper I thought both teams looked pretty good for the most part. In week one, defenders came in with the W. I'm probably going to sit on this and wait for the three and a half because I like the defenders to cover. I think they keep it close. I think the Vipers walk away with the win, but I think three, three and a half is too much for this Vipers team. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going 
get a little cheeky here. I'm gonna take the over 36 in this matchup too. Look at you. Look at I'm gonna take you. the over. I want to see the defenders on the road. I mean that that home court, home field was tremendous. They have. I want to see how they look on the road here. Next game. Now this is getting to the point where I told you when we did spring fever on Wednesday that I didn't want to get involved in these games. But looking at these bet online numbers, they're getting to the part where I may want to get involved in these next games. We got San Antonio number. to Orlando. Orlando's getting four. That's crazy. And, and the over-under is 38. Eric Betting's 101 is after a team gets blown out, you take them the next game. Am I going to be betting the Orlando Guardians in this game? You might want to wait till the day of because if this continues, you might see a five. Oh, my God. If I see a five... And you have to remember with the three-point, being able to go for three, you can see a team dwindle away a lead like that. Yeah, can we – Can we? Um, I, I got to feel like I got to talk to a smart math person here. Maybe you're the guy. Um, the XFL definitely has different key numbers than the NFL, right? Oh, for sure. Like six sure. – I, I don't know what the key numbers in the XFL are. I know what I know. Nine points is a one-score game, but that's it. Yeah. Math I'm people, gonna, I'm going to need a three-week sample size. That's yeah, math people hit us up. Figure out what the key numbers are. I'm sitting right now. I have the Brahmas minus two and a half. So you but, you you beat the number. Yeah, I have the, I have the Brahmas sitting at minus two and a half. I. I might dabble here and take the plus four on the Guardians <laughs> and middle this bitch. I'm very tempted to take the plus four, and I'm not going to lie. You brought up a good point. Who's to say we're not going to see this dip all the way up to a five? Like I We really see this all like... the time with these spring leagues. The, the overreaction to week one, the Guardians looked awful, and you'll see it the next game too. Uh, the two teams that play in that game have the most inflated lines in one direction or the other. I, I think the Guardians are going to have some value. Fuck, man. I'm, I'm going to be on the No Paxton Guardians. Lynch, too, is a big plus. If Paxton Lynch isn't playing, I'm going to be locked in for sure. At the very least, I'm pretty sure he's not starting. They haven't released the depth charts yet, but... I don't know. Now... Over, under 38, under, by the way. Under 38 under, as well. Under 38. Renegades, Roughnecks, last one. This line is sitting at the Roughnecks minus five, over under 40. It's looking like we're going to see a five and a half in the market. Again, I don't want to. I don't want to tout. I'm sitting on Roughnecks minus three and a half. So I feel like this is another perfect middle opportunity for me to take the Renegades plus five, or plus five and a half, and like get a get a good spot. I mean, like. You're a son of a bitch, dude. Like you're 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 completely in the driver's seat. I'm feeling good. I think the only line that I didn't beat the number on is the defenders. Now, what um, or do you think we could see a, a six? 
I mean, potentially the the worry would be if you see it go to five and a half and then it drops back down. But there's a there's a very real chance you could see it go to six. The narrative continuing into Sunday. It's the last game. The narrative is just going to continue to be. The Roughnecks were dominant. They owned the Guardians. The Renegades, they didn't score a single offensive touchdown. Who knows what this offense is capable of? I don't know. They didn't look great. Drew Plitt looked mediocre, maybe? The narratives could shift this number. To me, betting is all about buying low, selling high. And that's what I'm going to do here. I'm going to buy low on the Renegades, sell on the Roughnecks, dude. I mean, I think that's what you have to do here. No? Yeah. I, I'm agreeing with you there. I also, I'm, I like it. the totals at 40. I liked it. At, I like the under at 39. Of course, I like it at 40. Give me the under. Okay. I was going to ask you, Eric, do you believe in double dipping? So I already took the under at 39. Would you double dip and take it at 40? Yeah, if you have a strong opinion, for sure. Okay. It just depends on how strongly uh, your opinion is held. So here's the thing. There's been cases where um, I'm trying to think of a game where I took a team and I read the line wrong and the line went the opposite way and I got more value. Like I'm trying to think of an example. Um so hypothetically, let's say the guard, let's say I have a huge, okay, so let's say in this Vipers game, okay? So let's say I lock the Vipers in at two and a half, okay? And then money came in on DC and went down to one and a half. I still like the Vipers. I would I would reinvest them, but again, I'd hit send again. Okay. Because I trust my intel enough. I mean, but I like that's just me. I'm the cockiest I, son of a bitch in the world. For me, I've been I've I kind of like flip a coin with it. There's plenty of times where I just eat the bad number and just take it and be like, you know what? I just I was I was wrong. I didn't beat the number this time. It happens. Um, and there's other times where I just I'm just like, well, I liked it here. I like it there. Give it to me, baby. Give me more. Double down. Yeah, I mean, shoot or shoot, man. Shoot or shoot, like, dude, like if you like a number, you like a number, you go for it. Uh, you you ask me all the time, you call me crazy for not listening to sports with a sound on. I do that because I don't want guys watching the game to distort my opinion of what I see going on. That's just I me. get it. I get it. Maybe maybe I'm a weirdo. I don't really have announcers influence me, but that's kind of why. Like I love other spring football and XFL and USFL like podcasters and content people out there. I don't watch a lot of other people's content for that reason. I don't want opinions. Well, I feel like listening to a podcast. So I want to be able to watch something, make my decision, get my thoughts. And then, like, dude, I listen to your recaps because I want to see what your opinion is. And maybe you bring up a scenario where you'll be like, okay, in this scenario, this is what I thought happened. And they'll be like, oh, I never thought of it like that. And then I'll rewatch it, whatever, you know, whatever situation you're talking about. I think podcasts and breakdowns are great. I think there's a time to listen to them. I listen to some of them. But I'm talking about more, you know what I mean? You think like the commentators can like color your perception of the game. Exactly. 
And that's why I don't want to happen. Like a pot, like after I watch the game and get my opinion of the game, I want to hear what other people have because maybe you saw something I didn't, but I don't want it to be in the heat of the moment where I have someone else's thought creep in my head. Does that make God sense? damn it, that's genius, Eric. Does that make sense or am I it just... makes sense? You're still a freak, but it makes sense. <laughs> I mean I get why you do it. That's 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 just what I do. Um so, but like I said, I'm like you said, I'm a fucking weird fuck, dude. I, I'm look, a weird look dude. who you're talking to. I'm a weird dude. I mean, but look at who again, you're talking to. Then again, I'm gonna have to tell you the story off the air. I was I was in the gas station and someone tried to rob it with a butter knife last night. So that was an experience. But um, we're not here to tell stories about me and butter knives and robberies. Jim, I'd like to thank you for coming on. You're going to be in Las Vegas. Guys, if you see Jim in Las Vegas, go up, say what up to him. He'll give you a kiss in the middle of light. Jim, yeah, why don't you tell the people where they can find you, my man? Those are facts. Um, you can find me in Vegas, just like Eric said, but you can also find me on Twitter at XFL Jim. You can find me everywhere at XFL Jim. I do uh, Spring Fever with this guy it, live every Wednesday. The, the audio version drops out later. And also, I do my own little flair of like XFL previews, XFL recaps of the weeks. And then, uh, you know, we got USFL coming up. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of gyms involved. You know what, dude? I appreciate you. I've gotten to know you a lot over the last year, year and a half. Appreciate you coming on. Make sure you give my boy Jimbo a follow. Best of luck if you tail our bets. And uh, we'll talk next week, my friend. See you. Guys, please give my boy XFL Jim a follow on social media. He's going to be at the Vipers game on Saturday. If you see him, he will buy you a Miller Light at the stadium. Now, let's shift our attention over to some NASCAR and welcome Brandon at Boston Boy 83 to the show. Well, we made it through week one. We almost got a winner, but wreck it, Ricky. You know, he beat us. Baron Scare, congrats to Senthouse. Great race. We're talking Daytona 500. We're talking NASCAR. We're talking auto. What is it? Auto Club 400 auto with Brandon. Brandon, how you doing today, my man? Doing good. Still recovering from that 500. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. My draft kings with like 50 laps to go. My lineup was phenomenal. Then that wreck, like a lot of roller coasters. Glad Logano didn't pull it off. I really didn't want to see him win the championship, win a duel, and then turn around and win the 500. So. Kudos to Ricky. The man deserves it. So there's my first question to you is that there was this comment made by one of the announcers, and I, I don't know which one said it. And it was toward the end, right before the wreck happened. And they said that they were commenting how Kozlowski and Busher, how well they're running. And the comment was the guy didn't think if it became down to Klauski. Kozlowski and Busher that Busher was going to win. He was going to let Brad win. Did you catch that comment? I caught the comment because they say that in, in that comment, he said, will he dare pass his boss? Because don't forget uh, yeah. Brad Kozlowski is partial owner, but I mean, it's a Daytona 500. I think you have a good opportunity of passing your boss. Don't wreck your boss. But it's a Daytona 500. You don't get this opportunity often, if at all, to be able to win it. But um, if they didn't separate their bumpers the way they were pushing each other, nobody was going to get around those two, no matter what they tried. Now, you made the comment, watch the manufacturers. 
obviously I sent you the video that Stenhouse posted to um, <laughs> TikTok, probably the best video ever, but him being able to use Larson to get past Logano kind of helped him. Am I crazy to think that Larson was actually in a good position and could have won that if he wasn't involved in that wreck? Larson was, but the second he got stuck in that middle, there's no coming back. And I hated it for Pastrana. His first ever 500, he could have easily got a top five, and he got pushed in the corner by Eric Almirola, which is frustrating to see Almirola do that. I know you're the last lap, going to do what you can, but you can't push in these corners without turning the car at a super speedway. So I would have loved to see it drag down the back stretch and see what would have happened. But, uh, yeah, Larson had a great opportunity. He's going to have another great opportunity this week at Auto Club. He'll be in the mix for sure. Um, multiple lines, low, medium, high, middle, high. He runs the high line. I'm going to be talking here in a minute about some guys that love the high line. And uh, it should be a good race. But Daytona 500 was definitely eventful. Our picks were there. Then they weren't there with the big one that we talk about every year. It's a shit show. You're going to have the wreck. Just hope your guys out of it. So it was, it was fun to watch. What was the one driver that you were that stood out for the wrong reasons? You thought he could have ran better. You were a little disappointed in what you saw from him. I want to immediately say, I want to immediately say any of like Blaney. Blaney is running well. He got caught up in that wreck, but I thought for sure that man was going to be put in the front, stay in the front, and be one of the Fords with his teammate Logano that just stayed one two for a while, just like Brad and Busher did. But he never he never stayed there consistently. He was up and down, and I think that's one of the reasons he got caught in the wreck. But um, hats off for me on the flip side. Hats off to Kyle Busch. The man started in the back, went to the front, went a lap down, was 33rd, and back to the front and had an opportunity to win that race if the caution didn't come out. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Kyle Busch himself, we come here every year to turn this many laps and then wreck. I should have known better. We always wreck. So – Having some entertainment out of him was fun to watch at the end. Now, we got the Auto Club 400, two-mile intermediate track. Last running of this one, I believe. Yes. Now, a real interesting track. I have four bets I like, but I wanted to ask you about this head-to-head one. I always kind of fade the Daytona 500 winner. Yeah. Dinger over Stenhouse. Yeah. You You like that one? Yeah, I like it. Stenhouse is in the playoffs. He won a race. JDR is not going to win races. That team's not, it's it's not going to happen. It's like the joy being up front. It just, it's not going to happen. So I told you before the Daytona 500, Collie Grayson is going to make a splash this year, like Trackhouse did last year. So I'm taking the Dinger all day over Stenhouse. So I like that one. That's going to be, that's going to be an official play dinger over Stenhouse in my, my week to my head to head matchup for the week. What is your first bet and why? I'm going with my boy, Chase Elliott coming off a real shitty Daytona 500. The man ran really well last year was going to take the lead last year until Larson, his own teammate, put him in the wall for absolutely no reason. What he's done at the two-mile tracks with this new car, I like to see. 
So I see him sitting at 12 to one, which you want to grab before qualifying. I think he's got a really bad taste in his mouth from the 500 and a really bad taste with what happened last year at Auto Club and it being the last race they will have at Auto Club. I definitely see him running up front and being competitive at the end. So number nine it is. Number nine. Okay. My first one, going with the aforementioned Kyle Bush at 11 to 1. Three top threes in his last nine starts at this track. And he's in Reddick's car, which led 90 laps last season. Fifth best average finish of active drivers at this track. 12th best active finish on intermediate track, two-mile intermediate tracks. So I'm just looking at the analytical stuff here with his historical finishes. Reddick's car. I'm going to take Mr. Kyle Busch. I'm sorry. I said 11 to 1. It was actually at 10 to 1. That's fine. I mean, that's not a bad pick. He is in the car from last year that ran really well. Um, he's looking to make a statement at some point. You switch teams towards the end of your career. If you want your legacy not to start dropping off, you got to perform. And I think he's, once again, going to be competitive week in and week out like he has been for years. And I can't not side with you with the car. We'll see if he can run that high line, the same line that that car ran last year, and be competitive. But uh, when do you ever get a chance to grab Kyle Busch at 10 to 1 or higher? I mean, you got Kyle Busch at 10 to 1. You know, it's it's worth a gamble. Like you said, he looked good at Daytona. It wasn't like he ran a bad race. He looked good. No, and that's the thing. Coming into this week, it's always fun to, to grab the guys that look competitive and are going to have a bad taste in their mouth and want to rebound. It's the same thing I'm doing with Kyle Bush is what you're doing, or with uh, Elliot that you're doing with Kyle. So I like that pick. I am going to go the opposite way with the man that he replaced and go with Tyler Reddick at 12 to 1. He's not in the same car, but he loves the high line. And that's where this track, if you can run the wall, you're going to be competitive. And that's all this man does. He did it on Bristol Dirt. Like anywhere he goes, he's run that top line if it's available. He led 90 laps last last time here. Loves the track. I can't steer away from him. He just signed a huge contract with Monster Energy. And Kurt Busch announced it in person that Kurt's still going to be around and a part of Monster but they are now sponsoring Tyler Reddick. So what a better way to sign that sponsorship on Tuesday and then turn around and come in on Sunday with a victory at a track that you dominated last year but didn't get the win. I like it. I like yeah. it a lot. My next one, going to the, the uncle himself. God. Uncle Kev, 22 to 1. This is going to blow your mind, Okay. The stats you're about to read, I just want to say this real quick. The stats you're about to read is because he's old as dirt. No, no, this is, no, since 2020. This is since okay. 2020. I, I, right. I, sh- I shrunk it down. <laughs> I shrunk it down. All right. Since 2020, three wins on a two-mile intermediate track. Best average finish of anybody since 2020 on a two-mile intermediate track. Six best finish at this track. Six best average finish. I'm getting odds. He looked okay. Last go around. You know, he's the thing about him is we can 
we can disagree about how good of a driver he is now and people can vary on that. But when you look at historically, he's one of the best drivers ever, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. And to be that good, you have to be a competitive mother effort. And you know, he doesn't want to go out like certain drivers have in the past and not get a win. Yeah. If he's in a position to get a win, he's going to get a win. He's performed good at these tracks. I think he's worth a gamble here and I'm getting no, I'm getting 22 to one on him. I have to lock that bad boy in. Oh, I, I can't, I can't, I joke with you about it being uncle Kev, but to your point, if it gets down to the end of the race and he's got to move somebody to get in victory lane, there's one guy out there right now. It's going to do it. And it's going to be him. He doesn't want to go out like Jimmy did and consistently start fading year after year after year. Harvick will make the playoffs. So he has to get a win. And yep. what better way to cap it off in the second race of the year and be sitting in a playoff spot? Yeah. I My third I one, I may have a fourth. My third one is going to be my long shot. Austin Sendrick at 60 to one, some sites 66 to one. Um, a Penske car, if you look at last week, including himself, all Penske's ran very well. Ford's ran very well. We talked about it. We read the article that some drivers are saying Ford has better arrow this year than the Toyota and Chevys. What are we at? A two-mile track. The draft is going to be involved. So I'm going right back to the Penske team and grabbing the number two at 60 to one odds. No, no track record, no top fives at two mile, nothing. I'm going based off of what we read with Arrow what we saw between the Penske team at Daytona and him at 60 to one odds going into a two mile track. I like that. I like that play a lot. Yeah. My next one, and I'm taking a little bit of a gamble here. Um, You know, there are some people on social media saying he's a big fade this week, but I'm a back, I'm a back true X 13 to one. Yeah. I thought he looked good at Daytona. You know, he did win the Coliseum race. Most drivers are going to carry that momentum over like Logano did last year. Um, Won this race in 2018. Granted, that's when he was in the old 77. But his running style does work here because he has one here. Intermediate tracks, um, you know, fifth best finish of active drivers at the two-mile tracks. So I just – he's won – Ran good at the track, the two the two mile intermediate, the momentum. I just I, and I'm. When do we see thirteen to one on Truex? You know what I mean. Yeah. It's like you have to take it here. You don't, and I I will back that with you as my fourth pick. Um, I think Truex is going to have a phenomenal year. Um, I don't know, and I don't. I want to say this in the most respectable way. So him and his longtime girlfriend have split. She had been, or and I believe still is battling cancer. There's a lot of stuff amongst their relationship for years with her health that they were great together. They split. I think you're going to see a little bit of a different Truex with his mind being clear. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say, like in a very, like, I, I think you're going to see him more dialed in without everything going on with an up and down relationship, health issues, stuff like that involved on a weekly basis. So I think you're going to see the man with a lot clearer mindset going into these races. How long ago did they split? Uh, it was in the off season. Okay. 
Yeah, it was in the office. I, I was going to say, if this was like yesterday, you know what I mean? Then they've been together so long, it's going to yeah. be in his mind. But I mean, there's yeah. been enough time to digest and everything. And yeah. And again, that's, that's, I just, I'm looking at it from a mental standpoint in the car. Nothing else outside of that whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I do like that pick. That, do you have any more? No, that's all I got. I got Blaney, last one, 12 Ooh. to 1. Uh, look, winless last year, obviously due for a win, has, um, you know, 2020 started six, you know, 2020 started 16th, led 54 laps, 2019 uh, started 10th, finished fifth. He has won at two mile intermediate tracks before Detroit. So I'm just looking at this and how can I word this bluntly? I use shot quality when I bet basketball and basically what it is is it's like okay jason tatum shoots x from three-point land so let's say hypothetically tatum shoots whatever like 38 percent the last seven games that's dipped down to 12 percent. so what does that mean it means he's due for a good game yeah where it's going to get back to the norm yeah and vice versa if someone's going really good if he's shooting 70%, he's due for an 0 for 10 night from three to come back to the norm. Yeah. I do that a lot. This guy, when you just look at what he's doing and how consistent he is finishing toward the top and what he's done in the past, this guy just per regression is due for a win. And I want to get this where I see 10 to one or higher and I'm seeing 12 to one on one book. So I'm taking Blaney 12 to one. I'll side with you on that bet 100%. I told you before the Daytona 500, that's my pick for the championship. So the man's going to be up front every single week unless a wreck's involved. Just like last week, he was up there, wreck, onto this week. So grabbing him at those odds, can't argue with that at all. I love it. I love yeah. it. So I, my my head-to-head is Dinger over Stenhouse, Blaney 12-1, to one, Truex 13-1, to one, Harvick 22-1, and Kyle Busch. 10 to 1. What are you working with, my friend? Elliot, 12 to 1. Reddick, 12 to 1. Austin Cindric, long shot, 60 to 1. And I'm going to roll with that true X bet with you at 14 to 1. All right. Let's get let's get it. Let's make some money, my friend. Hopefully, you can cash some tickets. Brandon, why don't you tell everyone where they can follow you on social media, my friend? Boston Boy 83. Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, all the above. And I know you know Celtics are still rolling, bees are still rolling, looking really good right now. Knock on wood. You enjoy that, buddy. And then uh, we'll get our fight when Milwaukee beats them in the playoffs. We got to go to a playoff game. (laughs) Until next week, my friend. See you guys. Catch some tickets. Please give my boy Brandon a follow on Twitter and Instagram at BostonBoy83. Now let's shift our attention over to some fantasy football. We've reached the part of the podcast where we're going to be talking about fantasy football because the grind never stops. I know the season just started, but this is when the leg work begins on next season. So after a week off, he is back. Nick at NAA Fantasy. How you doing, my man? Great. How's it going, Eric? Good, good, good. Now before, so just so everyone knows, the what we're going to be doing moving forward is we're going to go position by position. We're going to rank our top three, and we're going to tell a rookie that we like. And then 
We're going to tell a player we think who's going to be a bust. And we're going to do this with a tight end, wide receiver, running back, and quarterback. There may be a week in between where if like some free agent signings or stuff like happens, we'll take a week off. But that's kind of the plan moving forward for everybody. But before we jump into all that, I need to ask you, Nick, did one player on either side of the ball in terms of fantasy stick out to you from the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll give one from both sides. I I was just really impressed uh, with the quarterbacks on both sides. I mean, Hurts, I you know his first Super Bowl, you know, first time in the playoff type of thing. Uh, he, I know he made that mistake with the fumble, but other than that, it was. I mean, I was really impressed with the way he, you know, stayed with it, got them all the way back to a tie at the end. Um, unfortunate the way the game ended, but, um, you know, I was really impressed with him. You know, he had 304 yards passing 70 yards on the ground. And, um, and then on the other side, obviously Mahomes. I mean, he just, with his bum ankle making plays, <laughs> doing what he does, he's just, he's just unbelievable to watch. So I was very impressed with both of them. Now, overall game, overall, anything, what'd you think of the game? Oh, I thought it was a very exciting game to watch. Uh, again, I I was it was unfortunate how it ended, um, but I thought it was big of Bradbury to come out and say that yes, I was holding him, because otherwise the game would have just there just would have been controversy around the game, and everybody would have just been talking about that. And I know Eagles fans are probably still talking about that, but he came out and said, yeah, I was holding him. So I thought that was big of him. Yeah. So what so about you? you? I mean. He said, my, I guess my thing is like this. He, did he hold them? Yeah. But the ball was so poorly thrown. It didn't matter. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, in that, in that situation to have the game decided on something like that kind of sucked, but you know, what do you, I mean, that's just just kind of how I look at it. Like if it was a better thrown ball, I get it. But the ball was like 15 feet outside of the end zone. (laughs) It didn't matter. I know. I know, I know. So now we're going to shift our attention. Like we said, we're going to shift our attention. We're going to do our top three tight ends, our rookie that we're looking at, and our boom player. Let's kick off. Nick, who is your tight end number three for next year? My tight end number three is Darren Waller. I think he's going to have a comeback year. I know he had some injuries over the past year, but when he's healthy – I mean, he's like another Rob Gronkowski. He's and Josh McDaniels is coaching the Raiders. You know, he obviously worked with Rob Gronkowski for many years. Uh, Darren Waller is basically the same guy. He's six six, two sixty, just like Gronkowski. Um, you know, and Josh McDaniels is going to want to utilize him as much as possible. It's just question mark around health, but I think he'll be healthier next year, and um, you know, he's going to have a, another great year like he's had. Uh, in the past, I know there's question marks surrounding Vegas and their quarterbacks, but you know, if they were to get Aaron Rodgers or Jimmy G, um, you know, I believe Waller's in the, in for a great year if he stays healthy because both Rodgers and Jimmy G have great rapports with their uh, tight ends in the past, and uh, I don't think that would be any different if uh, the Raiders got got one of them. 
I like it. I like it. My number three, Kyle Pitts. And this is more of default by anything else. Kittle, quarterback questions. Don't know what's going on there. You have CMC, you have Debo, you have Ayuk, and Kittle's been hurt the last couple of years. Little concerns with there. Goddard, new OC. He was the big reason behind Hurts. A lot of free agents leaving in Philadelphia. What's going to go on with him? And Mark Andrews, new OC, Lamar, rumors of going to Washington, going to Atlanta. So there's a lot of stuff going on with those three guys. Now, I have my concerns with, with Pitts. Don't get me wrong. But when we look at it, in the four games that Ritter was the starter, tight the tight end position, who were basically Fitzer and um, McPruitt, McPruitt, Pruitt, Pruitt, and, and Fitzer, those guys combined had a 17% target ship. I really expect that number to increase when you get Pitts in there, and then you factor in the step forward that Drake London cooked. Drake London was a top five wide receiver with Ritter as the quarterback. So we can, teams are going to be rolling coverage more at Drake London. This is going to open stuff up for Kyle Pitts. And then when you look at the schedule of the Falcons next season, they have seven games against teams that were in the top 12 of fantasy points per game allowed to opposing tight ends. I just figure he's going to be a little under the radar. I know he's coming back from the injury, but just by default, I think he's going to be at tight end number three next year. He, he is number three on my board. Excuse me. All right. Who is your number two, my friend? I think we have the same one here. We do. We do. Uh, my number two is TJ Hawkinson. I mean, he after getting traded to the Vikings, he had 59 receptions in nine games with them. Um, you know, with with so much attention on Justin Jefferson, um, I really think Hawkinson's going to be in for another high target season next year with Cousins still being at the helm there. I, he's he's a he is a perennial top five tight end in my opinion in the right system, and I think the right system is Minnesota for him. I, my thought with Hawkinson finishes tight end number two. I'm sure that most people are going to be surprised by that. When with the Vikings, he averaged 9.99 fantasy points per game in half point PPR leagues. He had a 22% target share and averaged 9.4 targets per game. Plus, he will have six games versus teams that were in the top 13 of points allowed, top 13 in fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends. So I think Hawk is going to be that number two option, and I think we're going to see Thielen maybe even on, on a new team or maybe just take another step backwards. Now, yeah. we're at their yeah. number one position, and you know what? I'm going to go on. I think we're going to have the same number one. Who's your number one, my friend? I'm not going away from Travis Kelsey until he shows me he can't do it anymore. I mean, the guy is just a stud and I don't see anybody coming close to him. I mean, I think, um, you know, Andrews is, is not, uh, you know, he was trying to keep up with him, but it's not there anymore. Uh, I think Kelsey is going to still be tight end number one next year. I know he's had some injuries, but he's still producing, and Mahomes is always going to be trying to get him the ball as long as he's there. So 
I'm not saying I would draft him in the first round of any fantasy league because I, I still don't think, uh, you know, he's worth it in the first round, but I still think he's going to end up tight end number one. Out of respect, I have to put Kelsey here, but we need to face the facts. He's 33 during the season. He turns 34. We saw him start to get hurt more this season and this could be the season where we finally see him take that huge step backwards with the production that he's having. This is the best production of a fantasy football skill player since there was that run a couple years ago when AB was the top player from the Steelers. I think it was like, there was like two years where AB was just putting up insane numbers. When you just look at the production of Travis Kelsey, he should be a first round pick. Am I going to take him in the first round? No, I'm not going to take him in the first round. Mm-mm. But it's you have to respect what he's done. And but it's like it's it's out of fear. I don't want to waste a first round pick on him and take a huge step backwards. But I kind of feel like if you draft a Jonathan Taylor this year or who's someone else in the first round that was high up there and got hurt. There's more options in the running back wide receiver category. But when you yeah. look at a tight end, if you whiff on this tight end, you're done. Like I got Evan Ingram late. I was fine with Evan Ingram all year because right. I knew what I was getting, you know, and he finished as tight end six. But if right. I draft Kelsey, I'm not going to draft another tight end. That means I'm going to be cherry picking probably every single week. So it's one of, it, it's tough with him. I, I agree because uh, for me, the tight end position, when I draft, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to go high first, second, third, fourth, fifth rounds for tight ends. I'm not, I'm just, I'm looking in other positions. So I, I respect his talent. I respect what he's doing. It's crazy what he's doing, but I, you know, he's going to end up, I still think he's going to end up tight end one, but I don't, I, I still wouldn't draft him in the first round. I'm going to say this. He is going to be the hardest person to draft. <laughs> no, he's going to, like legitimately, he's going to be the hardest person to predict what we do. Like we don't yeah. know. We really have no idea where to take him because if you take him too late, same old, same old. If you take him too soon, then you're completely and utterly screwed that whole year. Yeah, and you've got a lot of wide receivers that are really creeping up into the first round now um, oh. that are really putting up high numbers. So, you know, I, I guess, ah, man, I don't know. I mean, is he gonna is he gonna fall a little later, like early second round, mid second round? Then you start debating. Well, do we take him? Do you not? If you missed out on somebody in the first round, it's it's a tough to, it's a tough debate really is. I mean, this run, I mean, this is, this site, like, in 2018, Antonio Brown, 271 points for the season. Mm -hmm. 2017, 259. 2016, 254. 2015, (laughs) 314. Yeah. 316. 
So, I mean, even like when Antonio Brown dipped, he was still one of the top wide receiver productions. But, I mean, I'm just looking at it right now. All right, so 2000, 2022, Kelsey, 254. 2021, he had 205. Mark Andrews was tight end number one. 2020, 260, tight end one. 2019, 205, tight end one. 2018, 243, tight end one. 2017, tight end two at 192. 2016, tight end one at 180. 2015. So since 2016, he's been either tight end one or tight end two. I, yeah. Which is absurd. But it goes back. It's like, the, how can I word this? You don't have as much wiggle room. And, and th- like, that's why I feel this. He is the hardest person to predict for next year. And if you, if, if you draft them at like, you know, pick 12, pick 14, pick 15, and he whiffs, your season's screwed. Yeah. So. And, and there's, and there's no, there's not a lot of depth at tight end either. So you either, you either go for him or you wait, drop back and hope you get a guy who's a boom, um, you know, or at least does a decent job. <clears throat> but. It's, I mean, you're, it's hard. you're that. Are you going to be drafting? Are you going to be picking up Noah Fant? You're oh, and uh, <laughs> but like the tight end position, it's just so. I don't know. It's just it's it's just so out there. It's it's a hard position, and it put like you don't know what's going on with Dalton Schultz. There's a lot a lot of question marks here. Yeah, I'm gonna now I'm gonna we, start my league next year where uh, I'm gonna remove the tight end position. <laughs> Just make it a double flex. <laughs> now let's shift our attention over. We could debate this whole Travis Kelsey thing for a while. Now let's shift our attention over to our biggest bust. Nick, who do you think is going to bust out next year? As in suck. I'm, I'm sorry to do this to you, Eric, but I'm going with Kyle Pitts. I, I've said it before. Oh, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of Kyle Pitts. I've never been a fan of Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, we've got, we've got question marks at QB there. Um, you know, Ritter was starting to throw the ball around a little more when he was, you know, later in the season when he was getting comfortable, but we don't know if he's going to be the starter there next year. We don't know what they're going to do in free agency. Lamar Jackson could go there. Um, there could be others that end up there. We don't know if they're going to go all the way to a guy who is an immediate starter that they're going to take, or they're going to go back and just get some like half rate veteran that's just going to stay behind Ritter and kind of mentor him, coach him. I, we don't know, but I'm going to go with the, with the facts that, you know, they're a run first offense. As of right now, they were 31st in pass attempts in 2022 Pitts has injury issues coming off this torn MCL. I, I, I'm, I'm busting him out this year. <clears throat> Next year, would you rather have Pitts or a Kelsey? <laughs> Kelsey. No, seriously, both of them have like huge question marks. I would take I would take Kelsey ninety nine out of a hundred times over Kyle Pitts. <laughs> My bust is Mark Andrews, new OC, possibly a new quarterback, and we saw everything dip 
when he came back from injury with no Lamar as their QB. Plus there's all these rumors circulating already. We see Robert Woods wanting to go to Baltimore. They could be trading for a wide receiver, possibly looking to draft a wide receiver. There's just so many questions around this Ravens organization. And we saw Mark Andrews was banged up last year. He's just not the player that he was a couple years ago. So with all that being said, Mark Andrews is going to be my bus player and someone, you know what? I'm not going to draft him. I'm just going to immediately, I don't know. I don't know how you do your fantasy football drafts, but what I do is I do my top 200 projections. Okay. Everybody, even if it's someone I don't want. And then I just cross off the players I don't want. That's exactly what I do too. I, I always make sure I highlight players I don't want. I, I, X them off on the list. I'm like, no go in the draft. <clears throat> and I, I totally agree with you with Mark Andrews. I mean, there's so many question marks there. And, you know, Andrews, when when Lamar went down, we both were on Andrews. We're like, we got to go with him because he's going to get the ball thrown to him when, when Lamar's not in there because the quarterbacks are not going to be comfortable not playing in so many games. And he still didn't do anything. And we just kept we kept trying to go at him for a couple of weeks, and it just never panned yeah. out. And he just he didn't look like the old Mark Andrews. Um, so I'm I'm totally with you on that one too. <clears throat> so now we're gonna shift our attention to rookies. What rookie are you looking at? I like the guy from Notre Dame, Michael Meyer. Um, you know, Halloween. I think he's got. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's going to make a killing in the NFL. <laughs> um, I think he's got the highest floor out of any tight end. He's got great size and he's just great at creating space. And, um, you know, he can high point a ball better than most. So I would say, um, you know, he's my he's my rookie to watch. And let's face it, where he's projected to be going not the best teams in the NFL could be playing from behind, could get some positive game script. Yeah. Mine is Dalton Kincaid from the Utes of Utah. Has the speed to be a down, down the three-oh threat. Uh, does definitely have some blocking issues. And I kind of feel like because he is such a poor blocker, he's going to be used as more as a, a wide receiver and not a tight end kind of think about Mike Gusecki, even a Kyle Pitts, someone that's not required to block a lot, even a Travis Kelsey, yeah. or just someone who just glorifies running routes. Very high-level athlete. This guy was a basketball player in high school. He played one year his senior year, didn't get any offers, went to San Diego, played at San Diego after a couple seasons at San Diego, then transferred to Utah. High-level athleticism. He can run all the routes in the route tree, and he's got a pretty good catch radius. I think he's going to be a great kid. We saw him against that game in US, against that game against USC in the Pac-12 championship, playing hurt, made some key catches. I think this guy's a stud. I think he has the potential to be the next wave of per, the next tight end to be the fantasy football darling that takes over for Travis Kelsey. Are we are we saying he's the next Jimmy Graham? <laughs> I think he's going to be better. Than prime Jimmy Graham? <laughs> I think he's going to be the next Antonio Gates. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. All right. Saying Hall, okay. of, Hall of Famer? Okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. going to say that. Possible. Say All right. That. All right. Now, <clears throat> next week, we're going to transition over. We're going to talk, obviously, 
wide receiver. Nick, I'd like to thank you for coming on and sharing your insight in terms of the tight end position with fantasy football. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend? Well, you can find me at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. And Eric's always a pleasure. Uh, I look forward to doing this every week because it's always fun to uh, break down, you know, when we're when the season's not going on, it's fun to break break this stuff down for next season. Get ready. So love it. And that's the key. That's the key. Like I can't stress this enough. You have to be doing research right now. This isn't a thing where you're just like, oh, season's done. Let me go tank, hang out, do nothing. Oh, it's August 25th. Let me get ready for my fantasy draft. No, no. You have to start doing a little work right now and lining everything up. So Nick, always enjoy doing this with you as well. And I look forward to talking to some wide receivers next week, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody. Please give my boy Nick at NAA Fantasy on Twitter a follow. That's it for the podcast, everyone. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and, and listening. Make sure to leave a review. Really appreciate it. It helps me out. And I'd like to apologize because my throat is dry as fuck. I have no idea what is going on with my throat. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Make sure you give Nick a follow at NAA Fantasy, Brandon a follow at BostonBoy83, and Jim a follow at XFLGym. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. Until next week, boys and girls.